Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to the newest episode of Fans About Films. Speaking to you, as usual, is creator and host Lasse Vogt, who has a very special guest today. You know this gentleman from his works on several movies you might have seen, including Monster House, Trick or Treat, and especially Krampus. I am very happy and incredibly honored to have him on this show, Mr. Douglas Pipes. Hello, Germany and the podcast world. How are you doing, Lasse? I am. I'm doing uh, amazingly. How about you? I'm. I'm well. You might need to give me uh, a very slow pronunciation of your name so I get it right from here on out. Because I know I just mangled it. <laughs> no problem. Lasse Vogt. Lasse. Yes, it's a Swedish name. Ah, I have very dear friends that are Swedish. My my dearest friend, uh, his wife is Swedish, and so my sort of half nephews are both half Swedish. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> Maybe you should tell the listeners what exactly you are doing. Yeah, so I just finished a movie called The Babysitter on Netflix, which is a really fun, entertaining, wild comedy horror movie that I recommend uh, fans of comedies and horror movies checking it out on Netflix. Great. We will talk about that one um a little later, I think. So, um, I um, discovered you and your work through the um, 2015 uh, Christmas horror comedy movie uh, Krampus, which I enjoyed immensely, and I also really, really um, dug the score. And so, I found you and your work. I actually reviewed it on my um, score blog, and uh, you retweeted the review, as I recall, And uh, that was like uh, that was a great, great honor for me, actually. Well, it's 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 an honor to have people take the time to listen to film scores and to talk about them and to promote them to the film score community. It's something that I'm uh, very grateful for the friends out there that do take such an interest. So thank you for the review. <laughs> and yeah, and thank you for um, for retweeting it. That's always great. I actually had that a few times right now. So it's. It's it's going good, I guess. Um, maybe we can um, start our little interview here with um, how did your career actually start? So uh, when I graduated from high school, I took all my money and bought a synthesizer, joined a band, and while I was in that band, I was approached to do a film score for an independent film, and I really enjoyed it, and I did a couple of those, and I wasn't crazy about my uh, composing technique, so I went to university to study composition and orchestration, not film scoring, but actual orchestral composition and orchestration. And from there, I started taking student films to get back into film scoring. And I did some studies at uh, UCLA film scoring and overseas. I studied in London and Paris for a year. And when I came back, uh, one of the, People that I had done his film scores, Gil Kennan, um, he graduated and got an agency out in Hollywood and landed a big film called Monster House. And he uh, did an incredible thing, which was to bring me on as his composer on his first film, which became my first film. And from there, things just evolved. It was an, an incredible experience. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I think a lot of people discovered you and your work through that movie. I watched that movie just a few years later for the first time and I enjoyed it a lot. It's a very good movie and it's a, a very good score. 
I was uh, so fortunate to uh, get a chance to work with such a large orchestra and such a great team on uh, such a wonderful movie. You couldn't ask for more to uh, start a career on such a fantastic project. Yeah, I can imagine. That's one of my big, big dreams as well, because I, I myself am a, a studied a filmmaker, director and writer, and I... I hope one day I can work on a bigger movie with a composer who has the chance to work with a big orchestra because it's a film score is my word it's it's just I I love film music I loved it as long as I can remember actually that's great that is so great well I hope everything works out and keep keep working and keep trying perseverance is a big part of it yeah yeah totally um, I'm very very proud of my um, a newest uh, short film, which uh, which was actually um, the end of my um, of my film study, and um, I had the chance to work with a musician from Berlin. We never met personally; we just uh, pretty much discovered each other um, through the internet. And so I gave him um, uh, the, the job to to score my uh, my short film, and that was just all done online. And he did it all by himself, and it was actually a pretty for a thirty minute short. It was actually a pretty long and kind of complex score and I was so proud when he sent me the tracks. I listened to them and I started crying. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Well, congratulations. I hope to see it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's currently available on YouTube. I'm thinking about uh, putting it on with English subtitles. It's a sweet little movie. Um, about a film critic, actually, and um, I was very, very keen on the music. I told my composer what the mood in certain scenes should be like, and yeah, and he adapted it very, very well, and I was very proud that uh, he wrote such a large score, because a lot of um, student filmmakers don't take that much care of it, but I'm always... I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who, uh, who goes nuts over details, and I... Yeah, that's that's pretty much my thing. And uh, a few years ago, I started reviewing uh, film scores on a, a professional level, uh, as professionals I can do. And um, yeah, it, it works out very well. Just today, I finished my For Ragnarok uh, review, which went online. And the next one is going to be the Justice League score, which I'm looking forward to listening very closely. Great, great, great. Yeah, the um, getting back to your relationship with the composer on, on student films... I actually go in to teach or give lectures on some film-making classes. I've done this a few times, and it's always interesting that the filmmakers in film school, they have so much going on that some of them don't think about music until the very end, but they forget that the composer is also oftentimes in, in these situations, might be a music student at the university or something but they need time too and they're in finals and all this stuff so if you're a filmmaker you should start thinking about music the, at the very beginning even if you don't have uh, something to show the composer you can certainly find start figuring out who your composer is going to be and start talking about things and the, the more uh, more time you give your composer to get in the world of what you want the better your results will be yeah, um, I know exactly what you mean because I actually have a certain type of music in my head while I'm writing my scripts. So it's I start with music pretty much from the very beginning. So that that of course helps. And while I'm shooting the scenes, I already have in mind how the music is going to be or if there are 
isn't uh, supposed to be any music at all. So um, that that certainly helps um, when I am working with my uh, current composer Oliver Seidel, um, who did an amazing job scoring two of my um, films. So yeah, I, I can tell him here's going to be music and this has no music. So yeah, that that's certainly helpful. But uh, you nailed it right there. <laughs> yeah. So um, your newest movie. Um, it's uh, yeah, it, it will be on Netflix, and it's called The Babysitter. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah, it uh, it came about uh, a little bit before last summer. It was uh, I was I was shown the movie. I'll give you the quick answer, but I was put my hat in the ring on it, and then uh, I was shown the movie, and I had watched it without knowing anything about it, and was absolutely floored by it because it's. It's really fun. It's re it's very entertaining. It's visually um, there's so much there to to grab hold of, um, and McGee's style is just has so much electricity. Uh, and there are some twists in there that are really really grab you. So um, I was very excited to work on it and worked on it over the summer, and it just came out in October and. I sure hope a lot of people see it because I think uh, it has a lot to offer people who like to watch horror movies that are fun, wild, entertaining rides. Yeah, um, going off from the trailer, it looks very entertaining. I immediately um, uh, caught on to it and I treated like, uh, is, is there going to be a score release? Because I, I saw that you did the music and then I think you you responded about it that there might be a chance, but it's not very likely. So we will see about that, I guess. Yeah, I, 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 there's there are a lot of songs in the movie. There's a lot of score in the movie, but I also know that um, it, it's it takes a lot to get a, a score release out in certain situations. So hopefully, um, if there's enough groundswell uh, and there's uh, an opportunity to do it. I hope we can do it. I, I will certainly keep pushing for that if we can. Yeah, I, I myself can't wait to actually watch a movie. Yeah, from the trailer, it looks very, very fun. Um, what what exactly was was your approach for the for the score for that one? Uh, it's a it's a coming of age story that uh, has a horror comedy in the middle of it. <laughs> so um, the approach was to to really get at the relationship between the two main characters in the coming-of-age story. Uh, and then once the horror breaks loose, and it breaks loose uh, pretty, uh, it pretty kind of hits you right between the eyes to be very bold and forceful with that. Um, so it's, it's, you know, without giving too much away, it's, uh, it, it goes in a few different directions. And I, I like the idea of, I certainly like horror movies that aren't just um, sort of, one dynamic tone throughout them. This one, uh, there's a, there's a lot of just subtlety and and sweet character development, and then there's some very graphic horror and wild comedy. It's there's a lot to this film, but I I sure enjoyed every bit of it. Oh yeah, and that that goes right along with uh, your uh, one of your uh, most recent scores, uh, Krampus. That movie is isn't also straight up horror. There are very very sweet and genuinely heartfelt moments in it, and uh, kind of fairy tale like even. And also you have the um, holiday angle, which helps creating a, a very wide variety of music. Yeah, I 
when uh, I will get asked about being a horror composer, and my response is, I don't think I've ever scored a true horror movie. You know, <laughs> I'm not a horror composer. I'm a composer that's worked on uh, some movies that have you know lots of horror in them, but but they also have lots of every other you know drama and comedy and fantasy and all sorts of things. And horror oftentimes is. And some of them is maybe one of the least scored elements in the film. Yeah, you're exactly right. Sometimes with straight-up horror, um, less music is more. Yeah, and, and like I say, Krampus, there, it's very much a lot of fantasy music and a lot of heartwarming music, and then a lot of horror music. Same with Monster House, is just as much fantasy action adventure and, and sweet, youthful music as there is um, scary music. And then in Trick or Treat, um, there's there are certainly big parts of horror writing, but there's also a lot of um, what I would say fantastic and fantasy-based, nostalgic Halloween-evoking uh, music that's meant to be, you know, like you said, fairy tale, but but meant to be of that um, that type of storytelling fairy tale fantasy uh, nature. Yeah, absolutely. Which leads us right to um, your, um, I think, most recent score, Awaken the Shadow Man, um, which, uh, from what I could get from the trailer, looks also like it's 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 kind of like a dark and a moody horror film, and the music... Uh, Uh, the music I listen to uh, matches that one. It's it certainly sounds like one of them, one of your more darker scores. What can you tell us about that one? Yeah, that's that is certainly the probably the darkest score I've ever written, and it's almost all uh, analog synths and bells and chimes and metallic resonate resonance with some strings. It's funny. I think I think the movie is not really a horror movie as much as it is just a suspense thriller. It's a, a much more of a slow burn movie than a uh, fast paced horror movie or a shocking horror movie, something like that. It's a little more psychological in nature. Uh, all right. Uh, but the score, I'm, I'm really proud of the score. It, it's uh, one of these mad scientists in the lab scores of me just working with all my synthesizers and dialing knobs and making uh, much more. It's, this is the most textural approach to a score that I've ever done. Um, so if you like analog synth scores La La Land Records released it on CD and on iTunes and such um, I would love it if people checked it out because it's something that I'm, I'm really proud of That would be great. Uh, I mean, uh, given that uh, Jonathan Broxton pretty much reviewed all of your um, bigger scores and uh, he's a big fan of your work, as I recall, I'm sure he will get to it at some point if he keeps an eye open for uh, for that. Yeah, I, I understand that It's this was a very, very, very micro-budget um, film uh, some friends of mine made and it was an opportunity for me to, as a composer, to branch out to do something different and in a style that I don't normally get called on to do so I certainly wanted to do it and I understand 
you know, with John and such that they tend to review higher profile films. Mm. Uh, yeah, I would love it if you did. Yeah, it would be great. Maybe I can maybe I can do something more for the popularity and like share the score and everything. And um, who knows? Maybe that will um, get the attention of of some other people. Yeah, it, it would be nice for people to see another side of. It's always as a composer, it's always nice to show different uh, sides of your uh, scoring technique. Yeah, certainly. Um, so. Um, You have done some animated movies. You you have also done, of course, live action stuff. Um, is there a big difference when it comes to approaching those scores, or how exactly um, is that for you when it comes to your uh, working process? Well, one thing with animated scores is they tend to have music throughout because the <laughs> entire world is fabricated. Uh, so. It generally there is more music in an animated film and also animated films take longer to make so you you do get a little bit more time with them as you work on them I was fortunate on Monster House to get to work on that uh, throughout the whole process even in the very earliest days and what's interesting in the case of some animation films is you work on it bef well before the animation is complete and so from a composer standpoint One of the things that sort of drives your compositional choices is the pacing, obviously, and what's going on action-wise or dialogue-wise or drama-wise, but also just the colors and just the nature of what you're seeing. And in animation, sometimes you don't see the final picture even before you're done. And I know there are scenes where... I've worked on an animated film, and then I think, oh, wow, that's that came out a little darker than I was anticipating, or that came out a certain way, or, hey, there's something on the screen I didn't know was going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it's always it's always interesting, and I really, I really enjoy working with animation because it's also one of the ones where it really is very super tied to... Um, the picture like the synchronization of an animation film is tends to be more hyper focused whereas in a live action film you're just a little bit a little bit one step back and of course you're in sync and things hit on certain things but also the arcs tend to be a little longer Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, when it comes to approaching, um, of course, like some of your more darker materials, what exactly um, inspires you uh, when it when it comes to scoring horror movies? My main inspirations musically are uh, come from the classical music world. So I'm a, a fan of Stravinsky and Bartok and Mahler and Berlioz and Beethoven all the way up to, uh, I'm a modern Arvo Parrott fan and all different types of, of orchestral music. And those inform a lot of things. On the film uh, composer side, Bernard Herrmann and Jerry Goldsmith's approach to horror are big influences to me. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I think one thing I, I really appreciate is their approach to dynamics and space. They, they really know how to... to carve out uh, storytelling with the music as opposed to creating uh, just big ambiences. They're, they're still telling character stories 
through the music, and that's something that I really respond to. Oh yeah, you can certainly hear um, the Bernard Herrmann influence, especially in uh, Trick or Treat, uh, which is right from the get-go uh, noticeable, and I, I really liked that uh, kind of scoring. That is an absolute flat-out, unashamed homage. That, <laughs> you know, there's no, no two ways about it. That's a. The, the thing with trick or treat is Halloween is means a little bit different to everybody, and as you go through life, it means something different to you each year. And the same with horror films and and such. So that was that was sort of just a nostalgic nod to Bernard Herrmann and how. Uh, his influence has been to me throughout the years. Yeah, coming back to um, Campos real quick, um, was it uh, the uh, original idea to use um, classic um, uh, Christmas songs uh, in the score, like Wave Them In and actually making it part of the main theme for the title character? Was that, uh, was that idea there right from the beginning or was it something that came like later in the process no that was from the very beginning that was the idea to have those themes interwoven so krampus has its own sort of original folk based theme that gets uh used and varied uh throughout the movie Also throughout it, there are fragments and mutations of standard Christmas themes to give a sense, of, depending on the scene, either a very sort of straightforward, you hear it straight through, or in some cases it's just subtle, almost subliminal idea of the Christmas holidays, either through melodic fragments or instrumentation choices, Christmas jingle bells and other Christmas bells and chimes. Indeed, I, and and that uh, mixture works very very well. It's it's great to listen to that score and like um, discovering every little reference. I, I had a lot of fun picking it out and was like, oh, there's that classic song and there's that one, and it's great uh, to 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 hear those spooky and sometimes even terrifying variations. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was great fun to work on, um, and I suppose it'd be fun if they ever did a Blu-ray release. I know some Blu-ray releases will just have a score-only track. That would be fun to to play a holiday drinking game to figure out how many times you can catch the references of of the different holiday, uh, Christmas themes. Oh, that would be great. They they rarely do that anymore because I see a lot of very very old DVDs especially um Danny Elfman scored DVDs and they uh, sometimes they of more often than not have the uh, soundtrack only option and I wished they would do this with actually every movie. Yeah, I, I don't know all the intricacies of why they don't if that competes with the other score releases which you wouldn't want it to somehow cannibalize that but Ah. Uh. 
but it would be fun to be able to, to watch it in sync. Yeah, that, that's a good argument. I actually uh, made some experiments with that one and I um, copied certain scenes from, from my DVDs and then I cut all the sound off and then I went to my uh, soundtrack albums, picked the right track and edited it um, uh, so it uh, mirrored exactly what was heard in the film and so I could watch certain scenes just with the music and I, I just had to edit it myself and that was a lot of fun, sometimes tricky, But it was great to show it actually to people, to show them, hey, this is how um, important the music is, but sometimes you can rarely hear it because the sound design is just too loud. Yeah, and I don't know if you noticed this, but there are there certainly are times because films come are, are working on so many things simultaneously that often you will record the music and maybe the scene has even been edited a little bit beyond uh after you've recorded it. So uh, the, the things that you might hear on a score CD may not be exactly how they play in a film yeah. because the film has been continued to be edited. So that must be a tricky thing to make it all completely line up. Yeah, it, it, it is tricky, but I, but I was able to do it in a, in a way that was barely noticeable. So I, so I guess that, that worked out. I did that with movies like How to Train Your Dragon or even Suicide Squad and... Um, some uh, some other uh, movies uh, Hans Zimmer did so that, that was a lot of fun uh, doing that and I think I, I have to do that with Krampus even though in my opinion the music is very noticeable in most scenes so um, it would be um, it would be fun with, with certain with certain scenes but um, for the most part I think the, the score is is very audible nice nice <laughs> um, so when it comes to The releases of your scores, of course, you have um, like the um, something like iTunes and Spotify, and um, sometimes even vinyl, which is great, and uh, CD, which is the most common thing. But right now, iTunes and Spotify are the more common things to to listen and download music. Um, what's your take on that, and which kind of release do you prefer? Well, I, of course, like the fact that it's available on iTunes and Spotify so people can get it quickly. But I'm very much a fan of the physical media releases and the companies that do it. Um, Waxwork Records have released Trick or Treat and Krampus. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of work goes into that. They're so great and fantastic and how much care, loving care they put into it. And La La Land Records and Verez Saraband have released uh, my scores on CD, and they, too, put so much care. The, these are true, true fans of film music. And for the film scoring community of fans, which I include myself, uh, the physical releases are far more important than the digital releases because there's something about listening to music and holding the booklet and holding the, the gatefold in your hand and reading and looking at maybe who the musicians were that worked on it or hearing the, reading the stories from the director or the composer, just finding out all the, it's a, it's a much more immersive experience. And I know Some of the iTunes ones come with PDFs of all this stuff, but there is something about sitting back in your chair, not looking at a computer screen and having something in your hand. It's even similar to, I have a Kindle and I read books on a Kindle, but 
there is something about holding the the printed book in your hand too that uh, is a is a uh, immersive experience. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I prefer um, the physical release way more. Whenever I can, I get the actual CD, which is just that's just a thing. And I have a big, big collection. And I actually have. Um, yeah, I think all of your scores that are on CD I actually have. I have Trick or Treat, uh, Monster House, and Canvas. I have all of them on, on CD. And it's just great to see them lined up. Yeah, it, I, I think I think that's so much better. And when I don't have the other choice, I, I yeah, I, of course, will buy stuff on iTunes. Um, Spotify, I not really, just when it... Because I want it... I want to listen to it whenever I can. And I actually want to pay for it. So, um... Yeah, that's uh, that's actually something I prefer. CDs all the way. Yeah, and I think the pendulum has swung back to where it seemed like for a while people were so worried that all of physical media was just going to go away, and now we're seeing a, a return, especially a huge return of vinyl. And there, I would imagine even CDs will start to make a comeback in a few more years where they become... Once again, things people want to have collections as opposed to just a hard drive. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, let's hope that that that's uh, that, that gets even better um, now from as we speak. Um, what do you think uh, is, in in your own humble opinion, your best score? You're asking a parent who their favorite child is. <laughs> you can't do that. It's an unfair question. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, they all have such special meanings to me. Sorry, they're not all equally as special to me. But certainly uh, the, the ones where I've got to work with the larger orchestras, um, Monster House and Trick or Treat and Krampus are very special and very dear to me. Um, some of the other ones, this babysitter score is very dear to me um, because I got to do something a little more different than I had done in the past. Um, I love the Awaken the Shadow Man score because, again, it's nowhere near the scale of these other ones, and it's much more an ambient sort of. It's not a. It's it's not nearly the thematic score that I've ever done, and those are uh, those are my favorite types of scores. But this was a fun. Uh, ambient synthesizer score, so it was really fun to make. Um, it was a very much a handmade score. Um, yeah, and even the, some of the TV movies that I've done, and some of the other projects, they're all they're all dear to me in their special way. But when you get to work with so many musicians on an orchestral score, uh, and the musicians that are so incredibly talented bring all of their years of talent and pour it out into your music that's an unbelievably uh profound feeling yeah i i can imagine that just sounds great i i listened to the campus uh, core earlier today and i'm still amazed by how much depth there is in the orchestra and uh, how much layers it has and just how funny and uh, creative and also uh, sometimes very threatening it is it's yeah it, it's just a lot of fun listen to it i actually showed one of my brothers the movie last year for the first time and he had a blast with it he loved the music he loved the effects and everything 
in the movie and it was great to see it with him uh, just to, to, to see it pretty much new whenever you watch a movie with another person you've already seen um, it, it's like you're watching it uh, for the first time in a, in a certain way because um, then you have you see the reaction of the other person who has the same reaction maybe you had when you uh, when you watched it uh, uh, first yeah that's that's always a great experience and yeah the, the Krampus is the whole goal of that film was for it to be uh, fun and entertaining and thrilling and scary uh, but but all the dynamics of that roller coaster ride yeah um, do you listen in your um, uh, private time to other contemporary film scores? And if so, which composers do you like the most who are currently working? I actually don't listen to the degree that um, I would want to sort of branch out and say who my favorites are. I'm a fan of Alexandre Desplat. His birth score pretty much throttled me um, <laughs> in terms of sort of things that just came out that were so different from everything else. That was a, that was a big one for me. Um, I love that score. Uh, he's a wonderful composer, but there are so many, so many talented and wonderful composers. The thing is, is there are so many truly talented composers that, um, it would just be lovely if they, if they were given enough opportunities so that we did get to hear different types of approaches to movies. The, the movie-making world isn't uh, a world of experimentation so much. It does sometimes, but it's much more uh, um, concerned with making sure it gets done and done right and done in a way that's not get anyone in trouble, shall we say. Yeah. And, and of course, there are, you know that's not to take away all the experimentations that Hans Zimmer's done and, and many composers that are, but you have to get to his level to be able to experiment. Um, <laughs> it's hard to, it's hard to be an up and coming uh, experimental composer unless you're working on a film that doesn't have a big budget. Yeah. Yeah. My all time favorites are Jerry Goldsmith and Bernard Herrmann. And of course, John Williams, without doubt, that's that, that almost goes without saying, but then nothing goes without saying. So I'll see it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, if if you actually want to listen to a score that's very experimental, which was for a big budget movie, listen to Daniel Pemberton's King Arthur: Legend of a Sword, which is one of the most interesting scores of this year, which is very very extravagant, very unconventional, and uh, it, I had a great great fun listening to it because it didn't sound like any other type of blockbuster score. check it out because I, I I do like to hear um, you know there's the there's the twofold process of I go to a lot of I, I subscribe to the local orchestral concerts here the LA Phil um, the Los Angeles Master Chorale the Los Angeles Opera just to get my inspirational fixes You know, all the time. That's that's sort of where I go to refresh the well. Always looking for you know interesting takes on on film music, and they 
you know, for the most part, the the most interesting composers, I can I can get a sense of of that they're also interested in these types of things too. Oh yeah. Um, to close this little interview, let's take a little a look into the future. What would be like dream projects of yours? What kind of movies or what specific movies would you love to score? Uh, it would be a musical, and which I have. I'm sketching out an idea for my own right now. It's going to take tons of time because it's. I have to kind of scratch out, stretch it out as I'm working on other things. But also, um, I would love to do a big uh, sci-fi fantasy, something that has a lot of space and big, grand thematic approaches. You know, much less on the, uh, not necessarily on the action side as much as just a, a sprawling, epic sci-fi drama would be. Uh, a dream project for me oh yeah that would be nice so as we come to the end of this little interview is there maybe something you want to know or some like a final thing you want to get out on this podcast well yes I've, one I would like to uh, ask you what I'm going to play the interviewer for one second here but what what was it that got you hooked on Film scores. Was it a specific movie, a specific film score, a specific, like, you know, you weren't used to orchestral music and then you heard something and that sort of opened uh, windows to your mind? What what made you become such a fan of film music? Well, uh, that is actually quite easy to answer because uh, my family works with classical music. My mother is a, a trained musical singer. My father um, works as an opera singer. So I grew up with that kind of music. But my first hook on a film score was actually um, the score for Chicken Run, composed by Harry Gregs Williams and John Powell. When I watched that movie, the score just, uh, just hooked me. And I was like, hey, this is very, very good music, because before that I, of course, watched a lot of the Disney musicals but that uh, musical approach was always a little different and I was just I just loved that kind of colorful orchestration those two composers did with Chicken Run and that yeah that one brought me to film music and shortly after I watched the first Harry Potter movie and Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was the first score CD I got um, as, a, as a present and yeah from uh, from then on out I I started to become uh, a collector. Great, that's that's such great news to hear. I'll have to go back and uh, listen to Chicken Run. I don't think I uh, ever heard it outside of the of the film. Yeah, it, you, you should. It's it's great. It's a great amount of fun. Uh, possibly the most creative use of kazoo's in a film score I've ever heard. Huh. Actually, I think I may have watched that movie on a plane, which is a terrible, especially when it came out, a terrible way to watch a movie. So <laughs> I'll have to 
I'll have to revisit that. Yeah, you should. It, it, the movie is great and the score is just amazing. Um, so, um, as we come to an end now, let me just say I am incredibly thankful that you were able to do this so quickly after I approached you um, about the idea of being a guest on this podcast. I had a great amount of fun talking to you and getting a little insight on your working process and uh, what you do and um, yeah, what your mindset is when it comes to your project. I also um, I have to say big greetings from podcaster Ian Crabb. He is one of the hosts of pretty much the best soundtrack um, podcast that is currently on the internet sideshow sound theater and i am actually a co-host on episode 90 so check that one out check the whole soundtrack podcast out the sideshow sound theater they are amazing guys and i want to say uh, from him he is a big fan oh thank you so much tell hello to uh to him as well. <laughs> I will. So, um, yeah, in conclusion, thank you so much for your time. And um, let me ask you, um, where can people find you on the internet? So, I have a website, which is uh, www.douglaspipes.com. I'm on Twitter, at Douglas Pipes, and Instagram, at dpipes. And also on Facebook as Douglas Pipes. Great. And um, where can people find your work? So my film scores are available, obviously on iTunes and Spotify and such, but also through La La Land Records, the Res Cerebound Records, and the vinyl is at Waxwork Records. And I also have done, we didn't speak about this, but I'll give a quick shout out to Waxwork has a subdivision called House of Waxwork um, and it's Waxwork Comics, and I've done, they release comics with a 7-inch vinyl, and I've done, uh, I did a track on Volume 1, which came out a few months ago, and another track on Volume 2, which is coming out very soon. So check out, if you're a comic book fan and vinyl collector, check out uh, Waxwork Comics, and that's coming out soon via Waxwork Comics and Waxwork Records. Awesome. So, people, yeah, get on that, buy that. Uh, it's worthy, trust me. So, um, yeah, in conclusion, thank you so much for doing this, uh, for being a guest on this uh, newest episode of Fans About Films. I hope uh, you had some uh, fun as well. So, um, anything else you want to tell uh, the audience before we say goodbye? I just thank you so much, and thank you for having me on the show, and really appreciate uh, all the people who help support film music it's it's really great oh thank you and thank you so much for uh, being just one of many many great composers and being an inspiration for so many people who love to listen to this kind of stuff so dear listeners that was it my first professional interview with a real professional composer i hope i did well i hope this won't be the last time I can do this. Thank you so much again for being a part of this. This was Fans About Films. You can find me and all my work, of course, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, channel name The Depart, or if you just type in Lasse Vogt, you can find all of my short films, all of my comedy bits, all of my film reviews. Most of them are in German, but 
hey, you know. And uh, my professional uh, score reviews you can find on my blog, scoregeek.wordpress.com. They are, of course, all in German, but you can run a translation program over it. So it's no biggie. It got retweeted already a few times, and I'm very proud of it. Thank you so much for listening. And Mr. Dr. Spipes, thank you again for being a guest on here. Thank you. And we say good night. Thank <laughs> you.